Lovely to see you this morning. God bless you. We're starting a new series today, Seven Words, our Easter series. And we're going to have a little Easter booklet be passed around. The hope is that you might use this booklet to focus you this Lent on Easter, on what Jesus has done. Who knows that every time seems to be busy? It seems to me that Easter is one of those busy times. And so it's our opportunity, maybe as Christians and believers, to make time to be aware more fully, to be more present with what Jesus did at this Easter time. So please make use of the booklet and um, we're talking about some scriptures today, so those who love to write some scriptures, there'll be some good ones there to write down and reflect on throughout the week. The first of our series, Seven Words, is on forgiveness. On forgiveness. Forgiveness is hard. Forgiveness isn't easy. And it's interesting that out of the sayings from the cross, the very first word from the cross is about forgiveness. And as we look at this saying from the cross, I want us to try and hear what is being said afresh. To understand maybe some of the things that was happening in that moment when those words were spoken. And then to follow the words that Jesus spoke. And so as part of hearing, I I believe it helps for us to be aware, to be so aware to the point where we can almost imagine ourselves there. And the real hard thing about Easter is to imagine ourselves there is very confronting. One of the worst things that I can face in this day and age is a bad paper cup. That wasn't the case 2,000 years ago. It was a very different culture. And so to try and imagine and place ourselves in that space is quite hard. It's quite hard. But I really believe that as we allow ourselves to enter in to that moment where Jesus was on the cross, we will hear and see and feel things that will change us, that will affect us. When we allow the cross to confront our hearts, something can happen to us. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we open your word, Lord, we ask that we would just be awestruck again by the cross. That, Lord, something would happen in our hearts again. That something would happen in our mind. That we would capture your compassion. That we would realise the significance and the awesomeness of this moment that we remember now. Help us, Lord. We love you and we're so thankful. May we be more thankful every day. And everybody said, Amen. The passage is from Luke chapter 23 and verse 34. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. 
And the rest of the verse says, And the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. They don't know. They don't know what they are doing. So I want us to just take a moment and try and understand some of the things which is happening here. Those who have placed Jesus on the cross, or so they think, these are people of popular power. Popular power. This is Pilate, Herod, the priests and the zealots. Those who, who were in control, or so they thought they were. Those who were, who were in a place where they could decide who lives and dies, or so they thought they were. Popular power. I just want to have a look at some of these different types of powers that were in play when Jesus spoke these words. The first one I want to just talk about is Pilate. Pilate was a Roman. He was the governor of the province of Judea. No one wanted to be in the province of Judea as a Roman. It was a posting for Romans on the way up or a posting for Romans on the way down. No one wanted that job. If you were a Roman and you had that job, you you were just scared. Because this area of Judea was known for its constant destabilizing effects across the entire empire. There was nothing special there. There was no gold mines and no oil and I'm not even sure how many orange trees there were. But it was a crossroads of Europe, Asia and Africa. It was of strategic importance to the empire. So it needed a presence of Rome to make sure that peace was there. To make sure the border was protected. And all the Roman governor wanted to do was to keep the peace. That's all. Just keep the peace. Whatever it takes, keep the peace. The only report this Roman governor wanted to send back to the masters in Rome was all is well, peace is here, the borders are secure, all is good peace. Just secure the peace. Herod. Herod was a Jew. His father was Herod the Great. His father was someone who, understand that the Senate granted the title King of the Jews. And so his son Herod Antipas, he was looking after an area within the province of Judea. In Jewish world, he was the top of the top. He couldn't get any higher than his role. His power, his influence, his ability to manage and lead, he was at the top. He was uh, uh, in that power place, but he realised that he needed to also work with those other power people. He needed to get along and work with other key power areas of the day, especially within his local people. And they were, of course, the leading priests. The leading priests, they were the ones that really controlled the people. They were the ones that controlled the temple. They were the ones that controlled what you could do and what you couldn't do. These were people who would watch you and say, that's not the way to live and and that's the way you should live. These were people who controlled you through religion. These were powerful people. The Jewish culture, by its definition, is religious very powerful powers at play. They were, they were trying to protect what they had. They were trying to keep what they had. Jesus had been eating away at their power base. 
And they were keen for that to stop. And then, of course, there's the zealots. The zealots there, they were, they were keen to fight Rome with violence, guerrilla warfare tactics. And at the time of Christ, the zealots were very keen to get on the bandwagon and say, yeah, we'll, we'll take Barabbas back, you can have Jesus. Jesus is just a rabbi going around, he's not really doing anything, he hasn't really gotten rid of the Romans, at least Barabbas tried to do something. So we'll have him, let's get rid of Christ. These are the powers that are at play, these are the powers that are at work, these are popular powers... And all those powers take us to the same point of violent, torturous crucifixion. Something so bad that the Romans didn't even have their citizens subjected to such a torturous death. The question is, why didn't they know what they were doing? Because I'm pretty sure they knew what they were doing. I'm pretty sure Pilate knew what he was doing. I'm pretty sure Herod knew what he was doing. I'm pretty sure the priests knew what they were doing. I'm pretty sure the zealots knew what they were doing. So why did Jesus say, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing? That little, passage, that little part of the verse has grabbed me. So that's what I want us to focus on today. The irony is, is that the very cross that this popular power was using to kill Jesus, Jesus was using that same implement to save us. Jesus took the popular power and its result and its outcome, the cross, and he turned that around and was doing something that they had no idea about. No idea. Absolutely no idea. The wages of sin is death. Jesus took that death and turned it into life. Popular power. How could they not know? These were smart people. How could they not understand? How could they not be aware? How could they fail to see what was happening? Everywhere Jesus went, he made a difference. If he entered your house, peace came. If he touched you, healing came. If you were feeling stressed, he spoke words that did something to your heart and spirit. Jesus never lived for himself. He was always at work for someone else. He was always serving, even when he was tired and on his way to have a break, he would turn back with compassion and minister to people. Everywhere Jesus went, he did good. Everywhere Jesus went, he sacrificed himself for good. How could you not see? How could you not be in the presence of God and not How? How could they miss Jesus with his mercy and compassion? How could they not know that? It's possible that today there are people all around us who don't know what Jesus did. It's possible that people all around us have no idea about Jesus. They think they know about Jesus, but they don't know about Jesus. It's possible that people you work with people in your family, people who are your neighbours, they have their idea and their perspective about Jesus, but they don't know about Jesus. 
They don't know about Jesus. They don't know what he did. They don't know why he did it. They think they've got it summed up and worked out, but they just don't know. Yet even when they didn't know what Jesus was doing, Jesus was faithful, even unto death. Even when people were still so far away from Christ, he obeyed the will of the Father and took on the torturous punishment of the cross. He took on the very worst of humanity. Every bit of violence that could be dished up, he took on so that he could forgive. So that he could forgive us. We've all experienced being hurt, haven't we? Who here has never been hurt before? I'd like you to line up here. We've all been hurt. But here's the truth. We've all been hurt and the person who hurt us we know they don't know. Do you understand what I've said there? We, we, we incur hurt and they don't even know they've hurt us. True? We incur hurt and pain and suffering and they have no idea what they have done to us. Now, I, I kind of fit into that latter bit of the category. Sometimes my words can hurt and I think I'm being funny. Yeah? My kids aren't here. I've had to learn that lesson the hard way. I can really hurt my kids. Really hurt them. And I have no idea. No idea. I've had to learn that the hard way. Jesus cried out, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they are doing. Forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. Think about your spouse, maybe. Think about the one who's closest to you. Think about how maybe you've hurt them. Maybe you had no idea you've hurt them. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. You see, the power of forgiveness is so full and so broad and so deep and so wide that it forgives us for things that we don't even know about. That's amazing. That's astounding. That's incredible. That I am forgiven before I even knew I needed forgiveness. How about that? The forgiveness of the cross was given to me before I was even aware of the state of my soul. And on that cross of violence, on that cross of torturous, excruciating pain and suffering that Jesus allowed himself to go through, innocently nailed to a cross, the cycle of violence was ended once and for all. Once and for all it was finished. Once and for all it was closed off. The fullness of sin that we know about and don't know about was forgiven on that day. Forgiveness has always been God's plan. Forgiveness has always been God's heart. We can look at some scriptures in the Old Testament before Christ and see this. We can see that it was destiny for someone, a servant, a suffering servant, the Son of God, to come and give his life 
But what this scripture in Isaiah 53.11 speaks about is that the one who suffered will experience a satisfaction from the process of forgiveness. The one who came to us will be satisfied, will feel full, will feel like the job is completed and done, it was worth it. The one who came will be satisfied knowing that forgiveness has been given, a way has been made. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many and he will bear their iniquities. The love motivation of forgiveness was of such satisfaction that Jesus endured the cross. Jesus endured the torment of the cross. Or in the book of Daniel, where even though we rebel against the Heavenly Father, the Lord is merciful towards us. He is forgiving towards us. Forgiveness has always been a part of God. Forgiveness has always been there from the very start. God is merciful towards us. In Leviticus chapter 16, something about forgiveness actually means that we're clean. Have you ever been like just filthy dirty before? Muddy, um, maybe you've been working outside and you're a bit of a gardener and there's dirt under your fingernails and you think your hands are clean until you bite your nail and it's a bit grainy. I love to go to the beach and sometimes I think I'm clean but the old goatee holds a bit of sand and salt and I go, ah, there's some Moana salt right there. I missed that bit. Jesus is the only one who can really clean us, cleanse us. Father, forgive them for they don't even know they are dirty. Father, cleanse them. They don't even know how dirty they are. They have no idea. In Isaiah chapter 43 and verse 25, and if you are taking notes, I encourage you to write this scripture down. This little scripture, this little verse will do something for you. If you examine that bit in the middle, for my sake, for my own sake. Isaiah 43 says, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remembers your sin no more. Can I say that forgiveness is from God, is for God. Forgiveness is for his own sake. How does that make us feel? We are so important to God. We are so precious to him. We will never know how important and precious and how loved we are. Because for God's own sake, he forgave us. For his own sake. He endured the cross for his own sake. He came and emptied himself of all divinity so that he could die and say the words, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they are doing. Something of the awesomeness of God, something of the bigness of God, something of, of God that we cannot understand, the, the ontological person of God that we struggle, the, the bit of God that we can't box, that we can't... We just need to be in awe, and awe 
alone. In awe. Does Lent and Easter bring you to a place of awe? Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. And forgiveness has this idea of of being clothed in fine clothing, being clothed well. I'm not personally a dress-up guy. I just, it's not me. I'll be honest, on a Saturday in the winter, it's just a pair of tracksuit pants, and in the summertime, it's just a pair of shorts, and occasionally a T-shirt if someone's coming over. But I do know that when I have dressed up, it feels good. It feels good. You're dressed up and you just look sharp. Like some of you guys here today. Some of you guys look sharp. So I said some. <laughs> what the Bible here is talking about is forgiveness cleanses us, but as part of that cleansing, forgiveness also clothes us. In other words, we have some honour, we have some dignity, we have some value and worth. Forgiveness does something to us in the same way putting on fine clothes does, like wearing a royal robe, being dressed so finely that people go, wow, you look good, you look good, what's, what's happening, what's going on, you look great. And Isaiah 44, forgiveness is, is also an invitation to return. Note how Jesus has swept the sins away. The sin has been pushed away. Forgiveness has been granted. And so forgiveness becomes an invitation to us to do what? To return to Him. To enter into the life of Christ more fully than before. If, if we thought we were there, forgiveness means we've experienced another aspect, another round of God's grace and God's peace in our life and it transforms us and we enter into the invitation to be with Him. Forgiveness is an invitation. When Jesus cried out, Father forgive them, they don't know what they're doing, it's saying you you, you don't know but you're invited. You don't know but you're invited to return. The possibility to return is now here. I have accomplished it. I have done it. I have come so that you might return, so that you might come back, so that you might be with Christ. But here's the thing for us to return, it means we have to surrender, it means we have to have a humility, it means we have to be willing. To lay me down. The Bible says like this, it says that, that I, me, am crucified with Christ and now I live. I have to lay myself down. I have to allow myself to surrender to the invitation that forgiveness brings me. The invitation to be with Christ. So with that understanding, popular power thought they knew what they were doing. Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Let's listen 
to the words of a video clip that depicts this moment where Jesus speaks. of the Jews. Can you see the temple from there? <laughs> Leave him! <laughs> Father! Father! Forgive them. For they know not what they do. be confronted my father forgive them but they don't know what they're doing the powers thought they knew what they were doing we need to understand that we're not fighting against flesh and blood there's something else going on here because these powers thought they knew what they were doing but what Jesus was doing was he was battling the evil of the world What Jesus was doing is he was battling everything that was wrong and not of God. That was the battle Jesus was in. The powers that be were just a part of the act. But Jesus took on the very sin, the origin of sin. And he carried that. And he said, you have no idea how bad this sin is. You have no idea what I'm doing here. You have no idea how disconnected you are. You have no idea where your end is if you don't enter into the invitation of forgiveness. You have no idea what life could be like if you were with me. You you don't know what you're doing. Jesus did. Father, Jesus trusted his heavenly father that even while a curse hung on a cross, he prayed the prayer, Father, forgive them. And Jesus heard that prayer and he forgave. 
The passages from the Old Testament attest to the forgiving nature of our Heavenly Father. God forgave. God forgave. Paul says it so beautifully in Colossians 2 and verse 15. Having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing, triumphing over them by the cross. Jesus was victorious over the powers who put him on the cross. Jesus overcame the cross. Everything the cross represented to the people who thought they knew what they were doing, Jesus overcame that. Because Jesus was doing something we had no idea about. And I believe we may never know. I I, I just wonder if, if we will ever know. When we enter into glory and we stand in that heavenly space and we're before Jesus, will we ever know the absolute wretchedness of what it could have been like without Christ? Will we really ever know that? Or has Jesus done something that we'll never ever really know? The ways of the world will fail us. Whether your power is position, whether your power is peace, whether your power is to please, or whether your power is to Those will fail you. The world will fail you. What Jesus did will never fail. The Bible calls it unfailing love. Unfailing love. So what do we do? Well, we follow. We follow. We follow Christ. Because I am convinced that the invitation of forgiveness for us to follow him means that we're invited to receive his forgiveness to the full. There are some things in our past that we are really, really shameful about. There are some things in the past that we know we didn't get right and we know we messed up. Can God really forgive that? You can't watch or hear those words and think, no, Jesus can't forgive me. Jesus has forgiven you. It's done. It's finished. It's over. You have the invitation. That's it. There's nothing more. There's nothing more. Don't stay in a place where there's a part of your life that you are not allowing the forgiveness of Christ to find its way into. Don't stay in that place where the past continues to haunt you and shout at you and speak to you. Don't restrict yourself in what you can do in the future because of what happened in the past. Jesus came so that you can have life and life more abundant. Don't hear those words, Father, forgive them. For they don't know what they're doing. And then stand back from the invitation to come to him. Don't do that. Let us walk in the fullness of what happened on the cross. Let us walk in the fullness of the satisfaction that Jesus had, knowing that he endured everything the cross had to offer, so that now we can return to him and be free. 
Let us be a people that know that, that are aware of that, that are amazed by that, that are astounded by that, that maybe shed a tear about that, that maybe want to give time to worship and honour and live for Christ more and more each day. More and more each day. And the second thing to follow Christ is maybe we need to forgive Maybe, maybe we need to forgive. Maybe it's someone from 20 years ago. Lord, I still haven't forgiven that. You see, we have to remember that while Jesus was on the cross, if we, if we flip it around, Heavenly Father is watching His Son give His life. His Son going through this torturous death and his son says, Father, forgive him. Forgive him, Father. And Heavenly Father does. How much does it please God when we forgive others? The thing is, you don't have the opportunity to get justice. One of the things that stops us from forgiving is we want an apology. One of the things that stops us from forgiving is is we want to make sure that they know what they did and they don't do it again. One of the things about withholding forgiveness is that we, we don't want to be hurt again, so we're going to protect ourselves and withhold forgiveness. Jesus risked all that and he endured every hurt, he endured every sin and still forgave. And the trust in the Father was, Father, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. Do you need to forgive someone? Do you need to let something go? You know, for us, our brains are wired not to forget. It's really hard to forget. So forgiveness is not something that just happens once. Forgiveness is something that needs to keep happening. Every time you feel that... <clears throat> And the third thing about following is in a moment we're going to just listen to a song, a hymn, and then we're going to close. It's on the video. The third thing is that we have been invited through the forgiveness of Christ to follow Him. We're not fighting against flesh and blood. So how do we live our life? If our life is forgiven, if we're wearing new clothes if the smell of the sacrifice of Christ is a sweet-smelling fragrance, then ought we be a sweet-smelling fragrance wherever we are, in the workplace, in the home, in the shopping centre? Ought we to be standing out with a garment that is so beautiful that people notice? If we have the presence of Christ in us, shouldn't we live our life in a way where people take notice? There's something different about the ones who are forgiven, something different about the ones who've been invited to follow him. Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. As we close with this song, maybe you can sing along in your heart. Maybe you can speak to the Lord. Maybe you can just pray. Maybe you can just just be still and quiet. And then our service is closed.
nothing but the blood of Jesus. And what can make me all again? Nothing but the blood of And this is all my hope and peace, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Yes, this is all my righteousness, nothing but the blood of Jesus. And Your cross. 